Have you guys had an awesome experience so far? So um, I, I don't know, but um, somebody just signed my jersey. And I'll tell you, this has been, this guy is, I just love his energy. Just, just, it was, this was absolutely awesome. I don't know what to say other than where are my questions because I handed them to somebody and you are in for a treat. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody up, you're on your feet right now for the Black Mamba, the greatest there's ever been who's played this game, Kobe Bryant! This is, a, this is the last day of what, four days? Three, three days. Three days? Yeah. yeah. Everybody's a little turned up in here already. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of energy in here. A lot of energy. A lot right. of energy. I yeah. like it. I like it. So, um, you guys ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. MVP! MVP! <laughs> MVP! 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 <laughs> Woo! So we're excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, we've, thank been, you. Uh, we've been working for three full days on, quite frankly, on being the best version of ourselves. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and a lot of times, you know, our, our subconscious beliefs and our kind of old habits get, get, get in the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what we've been working on. And you know, mm -hmm. to be honest with you, when I decided on who I wanted to bring this year, I knew it had to be you because you represent nothing gets in your way. You're going to go out and make it happen. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the Mamba mentality is what we want to learn about today. Right, guys? Yeah? All right. Yeah. So, uh, so I got a couple questions. Sure. And the first one is, you were born in Philadelphia. Yep. Yet you spent quite a bit of your time uh, as a child in Italy. Yep. Right? Uh, what was it like having to move away from the States learn a new language, and how did that experience play a role in who you ultimately became? Well, it was, uh, you know, when, I, when we moved, I was six, and you know, my sisters were seven and eight, and at the time, we didn't know anything. Right. Right, we were in Philadelphia, we didn't know much. You know, our parents kind of tricked us into saying, well, you know, at the age of 12, you could ride around on like a moped and drive around. That got us excited about moving to Italy. Right, so, right. Um, but once we moved over there, it was amazing because we didn't really understand, you know, kind of the, the, the shift that was occurring. Right. You know, you get there, um, you're immediately put into an Italian school right. where nobody speaks English. And uh, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. You have to adjust. And uh, I think it had a way of opening our minds a little bit more to what's possible mm. and uh, being able to or being willing comfortable to adapt to new things. I love it. I love it. So in a way, it was a good thing. It was a great thing. Great thing. Awesome. Great thing. Awesome. And I love that whenever you go back, like you go all in, you go watch the soccer games, you're, oh, yeah. you're all about it. Well, I mean, I'm basically Italian, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fun. We go on vacation, you know, because Vanessa, my wife, is, is Mexican and Italian. Uh -huh. and, 
Yeah, and when we go there, you know, I just walk around with her and I have my shades on and stuff. We're just walking around and stuff. And, you know, people that don't know, they'll go up to her and start speaking Italian to her. Really? And I'll just sit there and I'll just watch her. <laughs> and she'll look at me like translate and say, no, 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 I don't no. speak Italian. We got it. <laughs> Especially when we go shopping. And that's, I, don't, I don't speak any Italian then. When it comes to that, yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kobe, you're going to get a kick out of this. Do you know how we, we came up? We've been doing this event for four years. Okay. And we call it Relentless just because right before I decided to do the event, our company was reading the book Relentless. Oh, yeah. which Tim Grover wrote. Yeah. So I just happened to think, that what a great name, and what if we can get Tim Grover to come? Uh -huh. So at Relentless One, Tim was here, and he shared with us what a cleaner was, at least what his definition of a cleaner is, right? Being that you're, I think, the embodiment of a cleaner and a winner, how did you being drafted 13th motivate you? Well, um, it's, uh, it's funny. So like, I had a couple teams that wanted to draft me. And you know, one was the LA Clippers at the time. You know, this was, it's not, it's not the Clippers of today. The ownership was a little different. Everything, there's a lot of different things about them. Right. But long story short, they decided not to draft me. And when I asked why, they said, well, if we draft you, uh, we don't think this market would take us very seriously to draft a high school kid. No joke. Wow. And so then when Charlotte drafted me, I get on the phone with their, at the time, president of basketball operations. And he gets on the phone and he tells me, say, all right, you know what's going on. You know we're trading you. I'm like, okay, I've kind of heard that. Right. So yeah, it's a good thing because we couldn't use you anyway. Oh. You mother. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you, you, know, you, you go in the back and you have your draft hat on and you have all of these cameras in front of you, people snapping pictures and I'm on the phone. And he's a basketball legend, so I'm excited to talk to him. And then he hits me with that. And so immediately, I. My, my shit just transformed. It was like, tomorrow, I'm working out. How much time do I got tonight? Let's get this shit done. I got to get to the gym. Right. You know what I mean? It just completely changed my mindset. So it had a lot to do with it. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. This is the competitive fire. You don't say that to me, right. man. Absolutely. You lost your damn mind. Absolutely, right? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> it's disrespectful. So disrespectful. I, I got to ask, I, this is not on the questions, but what, I mean, when you played against Charlotte, did you have like that little extra what? fire? Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. I had a shot at the buzzer to beat him in, uh, in 2001 in Charlotte. And it was a, such a great thing. I love that. Yeah, I love it was that. awesome. That's awesome. I love that. So next question, Kobe. Um, I remember your final time. I remember clearly watching this day. You were playing for Team USA. And I think you guys were playing Spain for the championship. It, yeah. It might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or wrong. Okay. And I remember it's like, you know, you were with all the greats. I think LeBron was on that team. I think Ray Allen was on that team. Everybody was on that team. And it was like there were a couple of minutes left, and they just kind of looked at you. Yeah. And it felt as though they needed you to win the game, right? What habits allow you to consistently come through in the clutch and specifically when it matters most? Just be calm. Be calm. You know, sometimes you tend to overhype situations. You know, kind of our imagination gets in our own way. Yeah. You know, and at the time, you know, Brian, D-Wade, a lot of those guys, especially Brian, was still young. Yeah. And hadn't really figured out those pressure situations. And for me, it was, I was, I was able to detach myself from it, and uh, and to allow to allow the work that I put in at practice to manifest itself during the game. Right. 
Right, so there's no need to panic. Like I've, I've taken these shots thousands and thousands of times before. Right. Nothing changes. Yeah. Right. I've had games that I've won, games that I've lost at the buzzer. You show up the next morning and you get to practice again anyway. Right. Right. So um, not getting in your own way. Yeah. But that was that was a fun timeout because Coach K was in the timeout going crazy. You guys are gonna fuck this up. We cannot lose this game. Pull it together. And I swear to you, and I, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm looking around. I'm kind of looking at the stands and I'm hearing him rant. I'm seeing his hair moving, his face gets really red and stuff. And uh, you know, Brian's you know biting his fingernails. That's like his habit. And uh, D Wade's like in his zone. Everybody's kind of doing their own little thing. And I just had a chance to kind of look around, take it all in. And then, you know, Coach K stands up and he has back issues, right? So he's kind of kneeling down because it's so important. And then he stands up and he kind of like oh, does one of those things. I had to laugh. Uh -huh. So I just started laughing. And Coach K looked at me and goes, it's not funny. I said, I'm sorry, Coach, but we got it, man. We got it. Relax. We got it. He goes, all right, well, show me the black mamba. I was like, oh, my God. Did, he, did you really just say that right now? Did you really just say that right now? Don't worry about it. We're good. I love that. I love that. Marty, you know, this, this made me think, my, that's my brother. But he, he, this made me think of something. We met Coach K in Vegas. We happened to be having dinner. I saw him. I respect the heck out of him. Yeah. So I sent over a nice bottle of wine to his table. And then afterwards, he came over. We talked for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And he told me to ask you this. He said, ask him who's the only coach that has ever asked him to shoot. <laughs> That's funny. He did, yeah. Is that, is that, yeah, it was tell him. Me about that. Well, there was, uh, you know, looking at the team, and when we put together this team, there was a lot of talk on, you know, how the pieces would fit together. Uh -huh. And looking around at the roster, we had a lot of guys that were capable scorers. Mm -hmm. you know, we had Carmelo, you know, Brian could fill it up, Wade could fill it up, I mean, on and on and on and on. But what we lacked was a, a person that was just going to dedicate themselves to stopping the other team's best player. And at the time, you had the best players on the opposition were generally guards and wings. Uh -huh. And so I said, that's going to be my responsibility. I have the ability, I have the tenacity to do it. I'm going to do it. So that's what I told Coach K. I said, don't look to me to shoot. Let me just lock down these other guys. Give me all the film. And when you show up to play, you got to worry about, you know, Spanulis in the screen roll. Don't worry about him. I'm taking him out of the game. I love that. And so then as the game goes on, especially in close games, he's like, okay, I just want to remind you that you averaged 30 last year. Could you please shoot the fucking ball? Like, all right, man. All right, yo. Relax, man. Relax. Okay, okay, okay. I'll shoot it. Okay. <laughs> Imagine that. I know, right? Imagine that, yeah. So, so another one just off the cuff, because um, I'm giggling here because you mentioned practice a couple times. And yeah. I don't know what it is. Every time I hear the word practice, I think of Allen Iverson. How can you think, not? How can you not? <laughs> you guys remember, I was like, practice? What the hell? Practice? So you couldn't be like more polar opposite than that. And I've heard awesome stories about you practicing at crazy hours. What, what was your practice routine like? Uh, the same stuff I do in the game, the same stuff I do in practice, man. Yeah. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing flashy. It's footwork. It's pull-up jumpers. It's uh, turnaround jumpers in the post. It's defensive slides. It's watching film. And you just do those things over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And, uh, and that's basically it. I mean, I, I get a kick out of now because like, my daughter plays, and I, so I'm very close to the game, the youth game. Mm -hmm. and I'm watching all these kids and people who are training these kids and I just can't help but laugh because they're, they're dribbling with like 10 basketballs at once and then they're dribbling two basketballs, juggling three tennis balls. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what is going on right now? Like, I don't, did the rules of the sport change or something? We, we're like, 
And, uh, and I wanted to see how my daughter was going to react to one of these videos. Uh -huh. I just wanted to see what her natural reaction was going to be. Uh -huh. And so we started, and she was you know, a shoulder girl that was her age, and she was dribbling with three basketballs going da 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 So I show her the video, and she goes. <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> that was it. I was like, oh, okay. Mamba mentality. Mamba okay. mentality. All right, I like it. And that's the next question. What does the mamba mentality mean to you? And what are some simple steps that we can take to apply it in business? You know, the most important thing about it is curiosity. Mm. That's the first step. Is, you know, do you have uh, you know, a, a curiosity to learn more and to figure out, you know, it's not good enough to just understand uh, that something worked or didn't work, but you have to figure out why it worked and why it didn't work. And then take it a step further, figure out how you can manifest those things into existence the next time. Right. right? So like if you take a game, for example, you watch a game happen, and you look at a team that goes on a 15 to 2 run or something like that. And when you're watching film, most of the times people will look at it and say, okay, yeah, that team played well, that team didn't play well. But no, but you gotta look at why those runs happened, what play started it, and then how do you how do you stop it? Mm. Right? What little itty bitty things led to a 15-2 run? Yeah. And then you figure out how to make those things happen again. Right. So they don't become an accidental thing, but Absolutely. you play with purpose. And it's the same thing in business. Same thing. Absolutely. I love that. So, uh, so coaching. So, so many today think talent and hard work is enough. And yet I believe the third element is being coachable. Mm -hmm. And uh, Phil Jackson seems to be the exact opposite of you in terms of like personality, yeah. you know. Uh, yet you both worked well together. What's the greatest lesson that you learned from your time under Phil as a head coach? Uh, challenge and confrontation. Challenge and confrontation. Challenge and confrontation. And different people challenge and confront in different ways. Phil was very passive. He's very indirect with it. But he challenged and confronted you nonetheless. Mm through media and through other ways, right? So give me an example of that. Uh, well, you see, you wrote three damn books about me that I still wait on oh. my royalty for, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you know, um, but you know, there, there would be little things that he would do. Um, for example, there was a season there where I scored 40 straight points in whatever, nine games, whatever it was. And he knew we had Shaq coming back Shaq coming back, I think it was a toe injury at the time. And he played the last two games, both games which I scored a lot, offenses running through me. And Phil noticed that we were starting to lose Shaq, starting to lose his attention, starting to lose his ability to rebound, starting to lose his tenacity to get after it right. because he wasn't as involved as he used to be. Right. So Phil sits me down and goes, hey, uh, so we're gonna need you to take a back seat. And take a back seat to what? Uh -huh. To take a seat, back seat, to Shaq. And so me being 23, his fat ass, what the fuck? <laughs> not even in shape. <laughs> not in shape, what the hell am I gonna take a back seat to this shit for? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Phil being very zen, right. did the obvious thing, which is nod, and then go to the media and say I'm selfish. <laughs> really? I love that. Um, I love that. But, you know, the more time I had to think about it, he was absolutely right. And that's what we did. The next game is when the 40-point streak stopped and uh, we went on to win another championship. 
But Phil had ways of confronting you and challenging you, but he also wanted that, right? He wanted to create dissension. He wanted to create friction yeah, because he wanted to unite his team to move in one direction, gotcha. right? But at the start of the season, he could foresee issues that were going to come up later in the season. He could foresee that. And so in practice, the way he structured teams, the way he structured shooting groups and things of that nature, had a way of bringing those things to the surface in practice. Right? So we can start dealing with those things in training camp I got you. to better prepare ourselves for when those moments would really come to a head. Yeah. I mean, he was an absolutely, absolute genius. I was going to say, that's the word that came out of my mind, genius. Yeah, he was a genius at it. I mean, he did a lot of weird stuff, too, you know, burning incense and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but it all had a serious, serious purpose to it. And, uh, and he studied like a maniac, man. This guy could remember every single play. I mean, he knew the background of players and you know, how they grew up and you know, how their parents would discipline them and with your insecurity. Like wow. he, oh wow. man, he. Oh yeah, he's about it. Yeah, and then you see him in a game and you're just kind of sitting there. Right. Like, Phil doesn't do anything. It's like, no. man, you go out there and win 12 championships. Right. It, yeah, yeah. it doesn't happen on accident. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So teamwork. Yeah. You didn't win five NBA titles without building a great team environment. And I, I think your example alone caused everyone around you to be better, to want to be better. Yet, uh, can you give us an example of how you were able to pull the most out of your teammates when it counted? Pal hates when I use this example. He hates it. But I think I'm, I've heard of it, but I want to hear it. I'm going to use it anyway, yeah, just because yeah, it's yeah. just, I just like ribbing Pal still. <laughs> um, but we had played them in the gold medal game in, uh, in 08 and beat them, uh -huh. right? And, uh, but coming into that Olympic season there, we had just lost to the Celtics in the finals. And those guys really beat the hell out of us, especially Powell. You know, physically, they roughed them up and stuff. So we come back to training camp, the first day of, uh, of practice, and I had my gold medal hanging in his locker. <laughs> <laughs> And so Pal hardly ever curses. He turns around and goes, motherfucker, this is bullshit. Da, 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 da. I said, well, what are you going to do about it, bro? You lost twice in a row. You don't want to be a loser all, all your life, dude. Got beat by the Celtics. We kicked your ass. And, and now here we are. So at least get one out of those three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. At least get one out of those three. You got to make Spain proud one way or the other. Right, right. Right. And, but the biggest thing for him is playing for country. Yeah. That means everything to him. And, uh, and Powell liked direct confrontation. Mm. He liked it. You know, he enjoyed being challenged because he knew it would bring the best out of him. Other players, not so much. Lamar didn't like to be challenged directly. Yeah. And he would take it, and he'd be just fine. He'd come out and play. But with him, it was more so talking about X's and O's because he was the guy on our team that would go out and communicate everything to everybody else. He was the guy that brought everybody together. Right? So if I needed something from... Shannon Brown or Josh Powell, I'd go to Lamar and talk about that, 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 and he would go and relay it. I got you. You know what I'm saying? So everybody had their roles, but they just naturally fell into them according to their personality. And what I had to do, which I learned from, you know, from being younger, was to just sit back and observe. Sit back and observe and listen and see who's naturally, who naturally has what qualities. Because it's not about one leader, but I think a leader's job is to sit back and allow other leaders to take shape. Yeah. And you just simply are there to, to, to guide okay. and, yeah. you know, and funnel things along. Awesome. That's it. Awesome. 
Give Colby a round of applause, guys. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I got to tell you, man, I, I've, this is four years in a row, and, uh, and y there's just something about your personality. You're pretty, like, pretty chill. Yeah. I, I think the staff did a good job at scaring the shit out of us, just so you know. And, and, but that, but that, but that, no, but that's a good thing because they put the standards up there, but you're like, yeah. you're, you're pretty chill. So this is good. I love this. All right. So, I, so this is funny. I think I would have had a difficult time walking on the court with a sprained ankle, let alone a torn Achilles. So what was going on in your head at that moment, and how did you push past, past that pain? Because that's like one of the, like, the Kobe moments, right? Uh, I didn't, the pain wasn't important. You know, the most important thing was winning that game. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, the pain, I wasn't think. I was trying to think of how to get around it. So it, it wasn't like I was, okay, this, this thing hurts. I got to try to deal with it. That wasn't the thought process. The thought process was how can I get through this for two minutes to be a threat on the court so we can win this damn game, right? So as I'm walking, I'm trying to figure out different ways to walk. Because if you, you know, when you tear your Achilles, it's like a spring. So I can't go on my toe. Can't, I just can't do it. So I try to walk on my heel and try to kind of take step by step, see if I can walk on my heel, see if I can, maybe I can run on my heel. And so that was the thought process, man, is trying to figure out how I can play with this thing. And then I start feeling the Achilles roll up my calf. And I was like, ah, you know. You literally feel that. Yeah, yeah, oh, you feel man. it sliding up. I was like, I, I probably should go sit down. Yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> go sit down. <laughs> If I go sit down, but you know, but if you think about it though, like if you look at players that get injured, for example, or you may have a cramp or something like that, if you if you if you take a person that pulls a hamstring, pops a hammy, can't play, team shelves you for two three weeks, whatever the case may be. Yeah. All right. Now this player is sitting at home, sitting on the couch, watching TV, whatever it may be, resting the hamstring. Right. Kids are upstairs doing whatever right, wipes around, whatever, and all of a sudden a massive fire breaks out in the home, and you gotta go get your kids. You're not gonna say, oh, you know what? My hamstring, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, kids. <laughs> right? You're gonna get up, yeah. and you're gonna run, yeah. you're gonna grab your kids, you're gonna do what you need to do to right. get your family right. safe, yeah. right? You're not gonna feel your yeah, hamstring. Absolutely. Right? It's not important enough, it's not important enough. And if, and if winning is that important to you, then the injuries don't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Or the obstacles, or the excuses. <laughs> don't matter. Nothing, nothing. Don't matter. I love that. I love that. So one of the reasons I picked you for this year, um, and, and specifically to speak to our audience, was because I know you're a great father. And like, I, I, couldn't exp I couldn't think about having this event without my kids running around and selling shirts in the bag. I, I just, I, I want them to be a part of it. You know what all I'm right. saying? Aaron ate all of your M&Ms yes. back there. That, which was awesome, by the way. Was awesome. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. He was so polite, too. He oh, waited yeah. for me to show up, and he was like, um, can I have some of these? I'm like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah, of course. Take a cup full, man. Yeah. He's, been, he's been high-fiving her. He's, it's been awesome. <laughs> he's so, going to be up here running sprints up and down the thing pretty soon. He probably soon. would that, that unless sugar, somebody's That sugar holding. rush kick yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big believer in, well, I'm just going to ask you, how do you find balance in your life, the type of balance that allows you to win at whatever you apply your mind to, yet also win at what's most important, which is raising your girls? Four girls now. Four girls, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a handful. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a very zen thing, I think. But it's, you know, whatever you're doing in the moment is what you're doing. Yeah. 
Whatever you're doing at that time is the most important thing that you're doing at that time. And when you behave that way, it's not so much about you know, work and life you know, being this balance being, this infinite balance being, and you're trying to walk it perfectly. That's not what it is. You're always going to kind of, you know, you're going to do a flip, and you're going to be like this. Oh, shit. And then you're going to come back. And then you're going to do another flip, and you're going to be like, oh, shit. You know? Right. And on one side, you have life and family. And on the other side, you have work, man. Right. And so you have obsessions, and whatever you're doing at that moment in time, that is where your focus is. So as a result, you're going to keep going back and forth like this, back and forth like this, back and forth like this, back and forth like this. And that's the gift and the curse of the life that we've chose to chose to lead, absolutely, man. Absolutely, absolutely. It's never really stable in one direct line. Right. It's always going to be back and forth. I love that. And, and, and I see right now, you're spending a lot of time with the girls, coaching them, helping them. Yep. Uh, how does that feel? It must feel incredible. No, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing, man, to be able to have the time to watch them grow up. And you know, retiring at the time that I did was, was, was perfect for where Natalia was, you know, Gianna and Bianca and now Coco. So it, it, it's... I, I'm very, very blessed, man, to be around them every single day and, you know, have bath time and breakfast yeah. and lunch and dinner together. It's, uh, it's awesome. Awesome. So I know you're doing a lot for youth sport, but you also have a studio. Yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Well, you know, the studio really just started from uh, my children. You know, my kids are athletes, and uh, they got tired of hearing me trying to teach them stuff, right? Like today, they go, Dad, where are you going? I'm going to go speak. Speak for what? <laughs> it's a leadership conference or but what do you have to say? I'm like, dude. <laughs> dude. Dude. <laughs> I mean All right. So because of that, yeah. <laughs> I've had to figure out different ways to teach them life lessons. Yeah. Right? Because you know, just like every parent, the more wisdom you give to your kids after a while, it starts becoming white noise. Right? But what they do love is they do love story. They do love entertainment. So the idea of the studio originally just started with creating stories for them about perseverance, about dedication, you know, about dealing with pressure, dealing with failure and all these things, and putting them into these very character-driven stories that involve magic and sports. Mm. Right? And so that's where Granity Studios was born. I said, okay, we need to do more content like this because we don't have content for athletes that involve magic. And, fantasy and all these sorts of things that teach these very, very valuable life lessons. And uh, so here we are. And, and it does it in a fun way that they can understand. Oh, it's just entertainment, man. Yeah. It's fun. It's, uh, it's fun. It's entertaining. And you know, there are a lot of things that are inherently uh, in sports, you know, yeah. and, and, and the fear that's there, and the love, and the passion, and disappointment. It's just about how do you bring those to the surface. Right. And uh, we figured out how to do that. Awesome. So uh, this is my final question, and I want to show you a, a, a clip real okay. fast. Um, right. Could we have the, uh, the team show this clip real fast? I think you guys have it. This was just, what, three weeks ago or so? Yeah, do you guys have it? No? And by the way, if you have a question for Kobe, now would be your time to kind of get ready and, and make that happen. <laughs> Go back for one more year. But that's why, that's why I want to show you guys this clip, actually. That's why I want to show you guys this clip. Go back for five years. Go back for five years. 
<laughs> All right, so, so why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Oh, it's coming on when, right now? Is it coming on? They are over there shitting bricks right yeah, now. Yeah, they are right now, right? Just relax. It's, it's all right. It happens. It's Kobe relax. Bryant, and you're messing relax. it up. Here. Here. Take, take your time. Get it right. We ain't going nowhere. We're chilling. So. Yeah. It's fine. All right. Here we go. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know, thank you guys, thank you. If you guys don't know, that there's something called the Drew League. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the Drew League um, is a league, you guys can shout that out, thank you. And the Drew League <laughs> is a league where, I, I didn't know this, I just happened to like stumble across as yeah. I was getting ready for this, where like a bunch of like NBA stars come and amateur basketball players come, and yeah. that was James Harden guarding you, by the yep. way, right? Yep. How long ago was that? God, I don't know, maybe it was, Jesus. Seven? Uh, Seven years ago, maybe? Six, seven years Oh, that years was ago? seven years ago. It must have been. Oh, I thought that was like last week or something. I'm old as shit. No. Oh my God. Damn, that was a long time ago. Damn. Yeah, I thought that was recent. No, no. DeMar DeRozan played in that game too. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a fun matchup. Okay, well then I was gonna ask you, how's it feel to be able to still do what you do? Oh, well. Yeah, so. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I haven't played a game since my last game against Utah. Okay. I haven't played a game since. And uh, you know, my focus has been, and it's not for, you know, like I love the game still, but you know, seeing my daughter play is more thrilling and more exciting than anything I've ever done. And watching her develop as a player and as a person has been awesome um, on the court. But like the, the coming into my retirement year and everybody saying, well, what are you gonna do next? Uh, you'll always come back to basketball. And, and they meant it as like a compliment, but I took it as an insult. I did, I did. It was like another challenge. It was like, listen, yes, I play the game, but I can do other stuff too. It's not like I, I can just play basketball, bro. I can sit here and, right, right, you know? Right, yeah. So that's why I will, I will never, I will never come back to basketball because I just want to tell those fuckers, see, you were wrong. Yeah, awesome. No, you're wrong, bro. I love that. I love that. So it's time to focus on other things and try to be as good as at those and pay attention to every little detail with those as, as I did in my 20 year NBA career and see where we end up 20 years from now. Nice, I like that. Give yeah. Kobe a round of applause, guys. Thank you. All right, who's first? Go for it, Frank. Kobe, congratulations on a wonderful NBA career. Danny, thank you very much for the invitation for Kobe. You're welcome. So the question is this, uh, what's been the most difficult challenge you have to overcome in retirement? Um, patience and, and uh, understanding. And what I mean by that is when you build a studio, you know, 
you need help from partners and distributors and things of that nature. And you know, we thought we thought uh, that winning an Oscar would kind of give you a stamp of approval. Nope. Wow. People still want to look at me as a basketball player. Oh, do you want to come here and like you know do this little deal with us? And you can kind of say that you produced it and say that you write us it. What, bro? I really did write Dear Basketball. Like, what part of that are you not understanding? I'm not just right. So it's like having the patience to understand. Okay, their perspective sure. is Kobe Bryant wants to come and and do a movie, do a TV series. Like, if I'm them and I'm looking at the situation, how would you think about it, right? So that helps me kind of understand things. But having the patience to navigate through that is. Uh, has been challenging, so we just kind of do what you know, I always did on the court, which was, all right, build my own team and build it myself, so. <laughs> Thank you. Good question, Frank. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, uh, Wednesday night we had Mikey Garcia here. Okay. You know the box oh, yeah. champ? Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard this guy's story, but it's incredible. His dad came here from Mexico, and his dad and his mom picked strawberries while his mom was pregnant with him. And he fell in love with the sport in Mexico, and all he wanted to do was to do one thing, which was have a world champion. Mm -hmm. He ended up training Fernando Vargas. He ended up training his brother, now Mikey Garcia. And mm -hmm. I, I told Mikey right here, like, wouldn't you guys agree? Wouldn't that be a great movie to watch yeah, the story amazing. of like his father, like from that mm -hmm. perspective? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And those stories, by the way, which I love cheesy sports movies. I, I love them, but like, there's a deeper, there's a, there's something deeper about sports that's missing. It's missing. It's a, it's, anyway, it's just kind of a pet peeve thing. Yeah. Next question. Next question. We'll go over there. <laughs> I can go Kobe. About that stuff Thank you, Danny, Claudia, and all the kids, the family. Okay, so I have several. How do you want the world to remember you? Um, as a person that inspired people to be the best version of themselves. That's it. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Kawhi Leonard? Say again. What do you think about Kawhi Leonard? Leonard? Um, as a person, and his game, both, maybe? Yeah, both. Both. Um, he's a great person. I think not too many people know his story. And, uh, he's from here, Riverside. He is. Moreno Valley. Yeah, he, That's he, where I'm he, staying at. <laughs> he had a very, very you know, um, tragic incident that happened to him when he was a kid with his father. Mm -hmm. And some of that motivated him, which uh, I think leads to some of his quietness. Oh. Um, but make no mistake about it, he is a stone cold killer. Wow. Stone cold killer. I mean, I, he came out and worked out uh, with me last summer. And when the guys come out and work out with me now, when I put them through the workout, I have my team, my, my Mamba Cedars watch. And they had a chance to watch him train. And you would not, you could not tell the difference between him in a gym by himself training and game two, game three, game four, game five of the NBA Finals would not tell the difference. Same speed, same tenacity, you know. And his game is amazing. Yeah, you can do everything. Yeah. You can do everything. You can post up, you can shoot the three. And when he first came in the league, he couldn't shoot. And he took the time, was very patient, developed his game, flushed it all out, and now here he is today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank was, you, Maria. Was your transition from basketball Whoa. to business difficult? Hey. <laughs> no, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't difficult. It was a, when I, as soon as I retired, I had a meeting with John Williams and uh, Glenn Keane to work on Deer Basketball. So I was pretty excited to get to work. 
Okay, one last thing. Can oh, you hi. say hi, <laughs> hi to my son Rico and my niece Valerie? Just say hi, please. Say again. Say hi to my son Rico and my niece Valerie. All right, what's up, Rico? And Valerie. And Valerie. And Valerie. <laughs> Thank you. Overachiever over with hey, the questions. Hey, no, that's what, that's what Coach K wanted me to do, to do in the Olympics, man. Just take all the shots. Right? I, I respect it. I respect it. All right. Let's go over here. Hey, what's up, Kobe? I'm, so, I'm just curious about this because I don't think you've talked about it publicly. But I was just curious as to what happened with the $500,000 bet with Gerald Wallace. Oh, he, he decided not to bet. Oh, he did. He did. That's what happens with most people. They, like, they want to sit there and talk. Kyrie was the same way. Right, he challenged me to a one-on-one -on -one game. And I said, all right, we'll put 500 on it. He's like, oh, yeah, you start going over to his back. Said, no, 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 not dollars, bro. Like, you want to <laughs> sit here and talk that talk, put some real money on the line then, and let's see. My charity's going to be very happy tomorrow. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, no. So Gerald thought about it and then thought better of it. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, I'm just curious. Have you ever done something like that? Have I? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, Starting so, back when, when I was a kid, I, I, was, I, was, I was wealthy, and it had nothing to do with my father playing professional basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell me, you know what's so funny? So, so this is a true story. So me and Anthony, this is my brother, right? You met him back there. Yeah. Me and Anthony, uh, he's always been a great athlete, you know? And uh, we would make money because we grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And no one thought that he was as good as he actually was. No. But we would practice and run routes and run routes, you know, so forth and so on. White men can't jump. Yeah, come absolutely, out yet, did it? absolutely, right? <laughs> and so this was, you know, he was. I was 18, he was eight, type of deal. Yeah. So we would go into the alley behind the apartments, and we would play. We would, pick, you know, just kind of show up and play against two other, other, other uh, brothers. You yeah. know, That happened to be brothers, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and sure. And yeah. sure enough, yeah, yeah. And, and, and sure enough, we would win yeah. and win and win. I know you remember that one time they go, the guy, you know, Anthony runs around. We called it an Anthony. He posts up, he comes, there's a way I fake, and then he's it's like touchdown all yeah. day long. Yeah. And then there's like the third little brother goes, damn, homie, you got smoked by a white boy, right? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, did you? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, no, so, yeah. So, so tell me about that. How would you make your money? I mean, do you just give, give, me, give us some fun so, stories. Okay. Yeah. My friends in Italy are about to go crazy right now. <laughs> so back in the day, uh, all the NBA games were on tape delay, meaning that, you know, the games weren't live, right? So in 1991, that series in particular, we're not going to even talk about Tyson fights and all that stuff, but that <laughs> was, series that in particular, <laughs> that series in particular, like the game would come on Monday here, and then it would air Tuesday at like 2 a.m. in Italy. They don't know that. <laughs> you know, so like, you know, so, you know, I, I made a killing on game one. No way, Lakers win in Chicago. I made a killing on game one. And then I intentionally lost game two. And then game three, I'm like, Chicago's gonna win game three. There's no way, da, 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 da. I, I cleaned up there, and then I really cleaned up. I said, Chicago's winning all three, and, and then, so I, I'd, I'd make my money uh, that way. <laughs> hey, it's an entrepreneurial spirit. 
<laughs> I love saw that. an opportunity. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. <laughs> First of all, thanks, you know, Danny and Kobe. You know, thanks so much, man, for the opportunity to be um, allow us to ask you questions. So thank you. My question is. As entrepreneurs, for some reason, we attract distractions, right? And, attraction, and distractions come in different shapes, forms, and things like that. So at your level, you probably have millions of distractions. How do you overcome them? And maybe at the highest time of your career, how do you overcome all those distractions? Or how did you do it? Um, you know, I, Isaiah Thomas asked me that question one time after a game in Boston. And, um, and the first thing that came to my mind was those Nat Geo shows where you see a lion and he's got his sight set on some poor antelope. And, you know, and then they, they zoom in on the lion's expression, right? And the crazy thing about it is that you see all these gnats buzzing around his eyes and landing on his, and I'm, I remember watching the show and being like, that has to feel really weird, right? Like I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> right? But the lion didn't do that. His gaze and his focus was completely fixated on what he was going after and what he was there to kill. Yeah. Right? So those gnats and that stuff, that stuff's irrelevant. Yeah, they're buzzing mm. around, but they're not important. So if you find yourself getting distracted by things that are pulling at you on the perimeter, maybe you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, are you as focused as you should be? Wow. Ooh, love See it. what I'm saying? Because if you are, it don't matter. Yeah. And, and as well, but you know, as an athlete, um, I want, I want to talk about money consciousness, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and I think specifically, especially when you come from humble beginnings and you don't have a lot of money, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes the mind has a weird uh, negative connotation with money, mm -hmm. you know? And, and people can tend to um, uh, essentially repel money versus attract it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but just give me your thoughts about money in general and what you think that could maybe help the audience I always felt like you know you do something right because you love to do it, and you make it the best you can make it. The money will come. That's exactly true. Money will come. You know, like you know, for us and as feature films or you know, making the movie Dear Basketball, whatever it is, is paying attention to every little detail, focusing on the craft, right. and then the money comes. And now when the money comes, you must be responsible with that, as you were responsible with the project that brought the money in in the first place. And so the same attention to detail where you put the money, right. what you decide to do with it, how you decide to create opportunities for others, whatever it is that you decide to do with it, you have to have the same level of focus mm. with taking care of it as you did when it came in. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Remember A-Rod, by the way, A-Rod, I have a great A-Rod story, man, because A-Rod's such a nice guy, but we couldn't be any more opposite. Really? Like, you see, A-Rod, A-Rod's very, like, I don't, like, you, would, you couldn't pay A-Rod to say shit up here, like. Oh, know, no, just, he, oh, no, he's very, yeah, when, when, you know, I got to find do it. Story, when too, do it. Yeah, yeah. So he, he hit me up one time, because he was, he was getting close to a record, and, but he was in a hitting slump. Uh -huh. So he texted me, he's like, Cole, it's like in my head, like this thing's bothering me. Like anything that you need advice you can give, that's the other. I just wrote him back and said, hey, Rod, just hit the fucking ball. <laughs> <laughs> just the fucking ball. That's it. That's it. <laughs> just, just, LOL. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I do remember last year when, I, when we were bringing him on. Uh, you're, you're right. He was, which he is awesome. Like to this, to this day, I text him and he'll reply to yeah. me. He's a really, really awesome guy. 
Uh, but I, d I do remember him being so nervous coming up here. Yeah. It was like he was studying his notes, and here you were. We're like, what's up? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, man. It's like everybody, everybody's really different, man. It's, it's yeah. a trip. There's like different ways to skin the cat, man. Like A-Rod, phenomenal in his own right. Different personality. Yeah. Um, I love practice. Serena hates it. Serena Williams. Hates it. Really? Hates it. She's like, Kobe, I hate losing more. So here we go. Right? Phelps loves it. So there's like a lot of, just so many different ways. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. finding, finding, your, finding your lane, man. Finding your sweet spot. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Yes. So nobody else has a question for Kobe. Oh, we're here. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right, move along. Let's Wait, go. Wait, did you it. already ask? I didn't know. Okay, go for it. We got 13 minutes. So Kobe, one of, you know, the most memorable interviews that I heard about was an interaction between you and Michael Jackson. Yeah. How he invited you to Neverland Ranch when you were a rookie on the Lakers. Yeah. And he told you a piece of advice that you should, you know, find peace and solace in isolation when you're going on uncharted route. Yeah. You know, for a young entrepreneur who's diving into something that hasn't really been done the way it is, what other advice would you give someone like us where there are so many pressures for people to lead you the conventional route rather than support your ambitious dreams? Enjoy the adventure of it, because that's what it is. It's an adventure. I mean, you don't know what's around each corner. You don't know if the cliff is going to fall from underneath you at any moment, right? But that's what makes a good adventure story, and that's what we're on as entrepreneurs. It's a serious adventure. And if you find a couple buddies to take that adventure with you, then it becomes even more fun. And you, know, you can share some of those journeys together. But that's what it is. It's finding the excitement in that journey, man. And, uh, and being brave in that isolation. And truth be told, bro, if you sat down as entrepreneurs and you pitched an idea to a person, and the person was like, oh, that's a great idea. I, I see the vision. You got to go and rethink your shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you want to be able to swim in waters nobody else has swam before. Right? You want to be able to carve your own lane in areas that nobody else saw or knew you know, was possible. Um, so if you do feel that sense of isolation and a little anxiety and fear there, that's a good thing. Yeah. It means you're doing the right thing. I appreciate it. You got it. You know, Kobe, you don't know this, but you know, we're not some massive organization. And, uh, I, I literally, and, the, and I, I just want to say kudos to that answer because it's absolutely true. Um, I, I decided I wanted you to come. Mm -hmm. And I decided I wanted to stop at nothing to come. And I didn't know if you guys were gonna show up or not. But I think that's how life happens. And I think sure. that that's how greatness happens. You know, you go out, you put your neck on the line first, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of tell everybody what you're gonna do. And then pretty soon the right people get attracted to you. Yeah. But it doesn't start without you having that vision and taking that mm -hmm. first step. Yeah, I mean, when, when I asked Glenn Keane to animate Deer Basketball, the first thing he said to me was he said, Kobe, I don't know if I can do it. So, awesome. Let's see. Yeah. Right? If you know you can do something, where the hell is the fun in that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, where's the excitement in that? It's just the same old mundane thing every single boring day. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. But you got to have a little excitement. I don't know if I can do that. Let's find out. Let's right. see. Right. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Let's, Jack, go ahead. Hey, Kobe. So there's, one, there's something that we all in this room we have in common, right? We have our wins, we have our losses, and we also have our setbacks, right? So 
2003 was a, a very challenging year for yourself, for your family. You know, you had your injury, some other things. And, you know, when we deal with these setbacks and there's a conversation we have to have within ourselves before we take action. And you and your family, I give you guys a ton of credit and a, a lot of love and respect because you guys did not allow 2003 to define who you guys are. You guys mm -hmm. really shined, made some amazing things happen professionally and personally. There's a conversation you had within yourself if you could share with us, I think it'll help all of us. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very simple one. And it's just a matter of perspective and you know, looking ahead and saying, okay, when I go into the Hall of Fame, and up there doing the speech and all sorts of stuff. And my kids there, and, and you hear the, 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 the talk, the banter around my career and what you know, Mamba mentality was and all this stuff, never gave up, hard worker, driven, like by any means necessary, he's gonna you know, get his team to the win, blah, 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 blah. I didn't want my kids sitting there and going, oh, that's not true because he didn't do that for us. Uh-uh. Mm. Nope. 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 So when I had that thought process, no. Uh-uh. By any means necessary, we're, going, we're doing this. Right? So that was that shit. Thank you, brother. So seven years ago, I've been thinking about this for seven years, obviously. I was at a New Jersey Nets game. You guys were in town. And it was like a February, it was a Thursday night, it was a blizzard out. It was like the third quarter, you guys were up by 20. Okay, and I'm sitting two rows behind your bench. And during a timeout, there was a guy next to me, like two rows back, took his shirt off and started dancing, right? During a timeout. I don't know if you even remember that, you probably don't, but. So the whole team during the timeout turned around and started laughing, like run our test, Fisher, all these guys were just like sitting, pointing, and laughing. And you were just sitting there during the timeout staring at the court. A, how do you do that? B, <laughs> how, like, how did that, like, your team is laughing. How did that not, like, affect you to be like, hey, guys, like, focus on the game. Like, what are you guys doing? Um, it's complicated. I mean, as, as a leader, it's, it's not really your responsibility to tell them to focus on the game, right? You, know, you allow those things to happen. That's okay. what they're naturally doing. That's fine, as long as they can bring it back to center when they need to come back to center. Okay. And as a leader, you don't have that luxury of doing that most times, because you gotta keep your eye on the end prize at all times, right? You don't have the luxury to sit there and goof around most of the time and look at people in the crowd and look at people in the stands. That's not, no. You have to have the sacrifice of staying here and thinking about what's next. Now, there are moments where you enjoy that as a group, mm -hmm. right? But it sounds like that time right there was not one of them. You know, we were probably up 20, but you know, I probably saw a few red flags that have been concerning down the road and uh, trying to think of what's the best way to nip those in the bud before play playoffs come around. Yeah. Thank you. You got it. <clears throat> so, I'm going to unfortunately have to have this be the final question. So final question. I'll make it good for everybody. Right. Kobe, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Um, 
I got to ask, your standards and non-negotiables that made you the champion that you are, can you share that with us? Yeah, standards and non-negotiables. I, I don't negotiate with myself. You understand? Like, I, when I said, yeah, that's... When I, when I told myself, you know, at 13, that I want to be one of the greatest who have ever played, that's the deal I made. I shook hands with myself. That is the deal. That mm. is the contract. That is non-negotiable. I don't wake up three years from now and say, oh, you know, this really hurts. I don't want... Nope. Uh-uh. I don't negotiate with myself in that regard. So that's what I did. When I'm on the track and I'm running... I, honestly, I did this one time. I was on the track at, like, uh, uh, 4.30 a.m. down in Orange County running. And so I'm doing my... I used to do 15 200s at this point in time. And so I'm doing one of these 200s. In the middle of it, I'm thinking to myself, man, my legs are really tired, they're really hurting. And then I thought to myself, well, what would a quitter do? Would they just stop right now? Like, how does that work? Like, if I just stop right now, what would that feel like? <laughs> I swear to God, like, I'm having this, these thoughts and I'm, like, laughing, like, my legs are killing me. But now I'm laughing because I'm thinking, like, would a quitter just stop? Like, is that why those fuckers always get second place? Like, <laughs> no, seriously though, like, so I'm able to find like humor, humor in those situations where my legs were killing me. But that's what I did, I do not negotiate. I'm not gonna talk myself out of something that I've made a decision to be. I'm not gonna do that. I love that. Amen. Thank you, that's a great You know what, guys? Uh, I can't think of a better ending to three days than that right there. <laughs> I mean, that, quite honestly, because, you know, Kobe, we, we spent so much time talking about the fact that you have control over whether you listen to what your crazy-ass mind tells you to do yeah. or not. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 100%. And, uh, and once you can learn that, then you're unstoppable. And I think that was the epitome of what he just shared with us right now, would you guys agree? So, so I'm, gonna ask, I'm gonna ask for a favor. Yeah. So I'm gonna ask all of you for a favor. So like every year I do this picture, and last year I forgot, and I kill my, I'm kicking myself for it, but could you dim these lights here real fast, these, these really, really bright lights? Could everybody stand up? Because I wanna take a selfie with Kobe. All right. And have everybody behind us. Let's do it. And if you could grab a picture of us taking the selfie, that would be great. And I'm just gonna move this. Kobe, yeah, I'm gonna stand on the tables. Kobe, I have a question. Is this shit yeah. working? <laughs> on three. Kobe, Make some noise on three. One, two, three. Awesome, thanks, man. That's what's up. Give it up for Kobe Bryant! <laughs> <laughs>